and then 20 minutes at the communion table and getting out of service at about 1.30 because we're going to have an afterglow. No. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to dive into a portion of Scripture in Exodus chapter 13. It's the establishment, if you will, of the second feast of Israel. The first feast of Israel being established, that was Passover. They lived it. They lived the first Passover. They walked through this ordinance that God established. They were there in their houses when the lambs were slaughtered and the blood was placed upon the doorposts and the lentils and no one came out of the house until morning. And when the angel, the death angel, passed through and saw the blood on the doorposts and the lentils, he passed over that house and the Israelites were delivered and they were rescued and they were given deliverance, if you will. And so God established it as an ordinance for the children of Israel to commemorate God's Passover and his provision of deliverance from death. And so we come to the second of the feasts in chapter 13. Chapter 13 covers the feast of unleavened bread. We're going to pick up in chapter 13, verse 3. We'll read through verse 10. I would encourage you to read the totality of the chapter uh, at a later time. There is the consecration of the firstborn, which is also a remembrance and a commemorating. And we have the Feast of Unleavened Bread. There's the law of the firstborn explained in its totality. And then there is the wilderness way, and we're coming to the crossing of the Red Sea next Sunday. So read with me or follow along. Chapter 13, verse 3, it says, And Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. On this day you are going out in the month of Abib. By the way, the month of Abib is a, another name for the month of Nisan. You might be familiar with Abib. It's actually pronounced Aviv. And you have heard of Tel Aviv. Okay, well, this is where it gets its name. It has the declaration of the barley coming into its uh, formation, and it's the beginnings, uh, if you will, of the growth of the harvest. And so Tel Aviv is the mount of the barley beginning its production. So the month of Abib. It goes on to say, uh, on this day you are going out in the month of Abib. And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which, we, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in this month. 
Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and no leavened bread shall be seen among you, nor shall leaven be seen among you in your quarters. And you shall tell your son in that day, saying, This is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up from Egypt. It shall be a sign to you on your hand and on your, and as a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord, brought, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this ordinance in its season from year to year. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. It is lived out for the first time by the children of Israel here in chapter 13. They're beginning this feast, if you will. You should know historically that the two feasts, Passover on the 14th of Nisan and the Feast of Unleavened Bread from the 15th through the 21st and the celebration being on the 21st. They were two separate feasts. However, in the history of Israel, after the nation was divided under Rehoboam, Solomon's son, that Judah and several of Judah's kings, seeking to reestablish and bring about revival in the nation again, they reestablished Passover to be an occurrence at the temple, if you will. And so they blended the two together as the spring festival, and with that also the Feast of First Fruits. So there are three feasts on the Jewish calendar, and they're all incorporated today in a seven-day period. I say that to say Israel is not much unlike you and I in many ways. They follow the traditions of man. In fact, Jesus in the New Testament points this out. He celebrated Passover according to how it was originated by God. You'd note this in the Gospels and you would see this as they partook of the Passover meal prior to that Passover meal at the temple. And we'll look at that likely in the next couple of weeks, or it's just for those of you who are students of the Word of God, you can search these matters out. It really is some fascinating, fascinating history. But the tendency of even Israel was to deviate from the Word of God. I believe that's a reminder to you and I. That's a reminder to you and I. Israel, every single time they deviated from the word of God, what do you suppose transpired? They caused all kinds of trouble. All kinds of trouble. That's an inspiration for me. That's an inspiration for all of us to be students of the word of God. Listen, when folks quote scripture to you, what address is that? Or let me go find that scripture and read it from the text. So often things can be misunderstood or taken wrong if we don't go to the source. 
So let me just a little, a little blurb for everyone here. Wet your whistle a little this morning. Let's become students of the Word of God. This is God's Word. It's God's Word. It's inspired. And it is the Word of the Lord for us. And God uses His Word principally to speak to His children. Can I get an amen? amen. God is speaking, and He is speaking. He's active, and He's engaging in relationship with each of us. And he speaks to us through his word. Okay. So, Hebrews reminds us, in relationship to that first feast, the Passover feast, Hebrews chapter 11, that great faith chapter, reminds us in the 28th verse, faith is an essential part of the keeping of the Passover. For it says, by faith he, that is Moses, kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And I just want to remind everybody here, faith, faith, believing the word of God, believing the ordinances of the Lord, believing the precepts, believing from Genesis to Revelation, this is the revealed word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 40 that the volume of the book is written of me, declaring Messiah or ultimately Jesus. The volume of the book is written of me. And certainly we saw last week the Passover lamb, it is a type. Paul writing to the church in Corinth said, these things happen to them as examples to us, they were written for our admonition. That word example there in Koine Greek is the word, is the word typos or tupos, tupos. We get our word type from that, and it is a type. And what a type is in Scripture is a foreshadowing of a future event. And so that Passover lamb, what happened as an example, it is a type of a future event. Jesus Christ, the lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the earth. He is the one who provides the forgiveness, the covering. He is the blood covering. We're going to come to the communion table in just a few moments. And we celebrate holding the cup. This is the new covenant in my blood, Jesus said. No longer the blood of bulls and rams, which could not cancel sin anyway. The perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the earth by faith. So the Lord's Passover, if you will, the first of the feasts of Israel, memorizing, or excuse me, memorializing and commemorating the Lord's deliverance, a rescue for the children of Israel. He rescued them and a remembrance for them. God is our deliverer. Will you say that with me? Because God is our deliverer. God is our deliverer. Come on. No matter what you may be facing today, no matter what hardship, heartache, difficulty, God is your deliverer. Amen? Amen. Let's trust in the Lord. 
Let's not lean on our own understanding of things, but let's trust the Lord. Okay, and it was a rehearsal, a rehearsal, a foreshadowing of that future event, Jesus, God providing himself a sacrifice, even as Abraham said to his son Isaac on Mount Moriah. That foreshadowing with the Passover lamb and the picture of a future event, that demonstrates God's character. God is a God of pattern, a God of pattern. And because there's a pattern, we see that there's a design. And when we see that there's a design, it begets that there is a purpose. And the purpose is rooted in God's love. God loves us. Come on, that's so good. Praise God. Okay, well, the communion table is forthcoming. So let's read this chapter 13. It says, and Moses said to the people again, remember this day. I guess, did we, I guess we finished all the way through to my portion. All right, so let's dive right into just a couple of thoughts in relationship to the second of the feasts. The second of the feasts. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. You see, after the 14th of Nisan, which that Passover meal was consumed also with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, each of them pointing to a remembrance. And then on the 15th of Nisan began this Feast of Unleavened Bread. On that first day Passover, the whole house was eradicated. Their quarters were absolutely cleansed. I said last week from a bacteria, it's actually a microorganism. Can I get a correction on that? <laughs> but that yeast, if you will, removed from the house. And, I sh and we talked about how they would do that with a candle and the feather of a dove and the kids would go through searching the house and it would be removed and there would be no leaven in their quarters and for seven days they would eat bread that was unleavened without yeast. And then on the seventh day, there was a celebration. There was a party going on. They celebrated the goodness. Now, these things happened as examples. There's a type of a future reality. I believe there's a couple of quick thoughts for each of us to be reminded of today. It's interesting to me that the unleavened bread comes after the blood. The unleavened bread comes after the blood. You see, it's in the blood covering that there's redemption. My sin is paid for. In fact, I would say unequivocally three things or three thoughts in relationship to the feast of unleavened bread. Number one, purity begins at justification. Purity begins at justification. You see, they, all of Egypt had a death sentence. Not one individual was exempt. Both Egypt and the land of Goshen were under the same death reality. The only way that death would be avoided was under the blood covering. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. 
Everyone sitting in this room, we have a death sentence to face. Thanks be to God that he provided redemption or covering for our sin under the blood. I'm justified in Christ. And therefore, I am seen as though I've never sinned. The word justified, you can say it this way. It's just if I'd never sinned. That's how God sees me. That's how God sees you under the blood covering of his Passover lamb, Jesus. Come on. So purity begins at justification. Secondly, Power is begotten in Jesus. Power is begotten. You see, leaven represents throughout the totality of Scripture sin. It is a type of sin. A little leaven leavens the lump. A little undealt with sin in my life impacts the totality of my life. It will infiltrate every area of my life. If you... Give in to the flesh and cater to the flesh. From the flesh you will reap destruction. It's the law of the harvest. And so a little leaven leavens the lump. Leaven a type of sin. And so there is power begotten in Jesus. Jesus enables us after that blood covering to live pure life. Purity in our life. We can say no to sin through the power of Jesus Christ. Left unto my own resources, I may have willpower to a point. But how many of you know the flesh caters to itself? And there's a time where I will just give in to sin if I try and do it on my own. Have you experienced that? Boy, trying to live this life in my own power, in my own will, in my own strength, nosedive. It, it's cataclysmic every single time. Train wreck, kaboom. But if I lean on the Lord, I experience the power of God. And let me say this real quickly. The power of God is the simplicity of saying no. It's turning and walking away. Sometimes as the children of God, we look for this magnanimous, dunamis power and we're expecting, you know, Let me suggest to you that there is that dunamis power in the Lord also, but the normalcy of your walk and my walk, the journey that we have, it literally is the simplicity of our daily life. Saying no to those temptations that our adversary, the devil, throws in front of us. The whispers in our ear. How many times has the enemy whispered in our ears some untruth about me personally? You're no good. Where'd that come from? How many of us have listened to that lie before? You have no value. That's just a lie from the pit of hell. That's not what God's word says. God's word says, 
listen, you're so valuable to me that I'm going to die in your place. He placed our value over himself. That's, can it get any more valuable? No. God loves us that much. He sets the truth and establishes it. And so we have power in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we have the victory. Come on. We used to sing the hymn, Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He brought me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Victory in Jesus. Come on. We have the power of God. Praise the Lord. And finally, I want everyone to know this. And not know it just mentally. Know this experientially. Know it. It's the Greek word gnosis. To know by reason of experience. Purity begets joy. <laughs> Purity begets joy. Look, it's seven days without leaven. No sin in my life. 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 I think I'm on seven. No sin in my life. Let's have a party. Hallelujah. The deception of the devil and all of the false gods is that somehow God is withholding some good from you that is actually sin. And the children of God so often listen to that. And we sell ourselves short and we give in to temptation and we go after those things that are unclean and we touch the impure and we do those things that we know are contrary to the word written upon the tablets of our heart and our conscience is actually bearing witness against us saying, no, don't do that thing. And we're like, and we just go right after it. And we miss the reality that if we would walk in holiness and purity to the Lord, we would experience the joy of the Lord. Oh, there's joy in walking and serving the Lord. So let's yield ourselves to the Lord. So a couple, three thoughts for this unleavened bread feast. We come to the communion table this morning and I'm going to invite those who are going to be serving us to come, if you will. This feast of unleavened bread, a reminder to us, Jesus again ransomed me. That is the Passover, if you will. He's rescued me. And Jesus enables me to live a life of holiness Jesus enables me to live a life of purity. Oh, Lord, help us to walk that way. 
Help us to walk that way, to come into full submission to God's lordship, the lordship of Jesus Christ, that we might walk in that holiness. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he made a transition. We're in the process of making a transition, location, but Jesus made a translation, if you will, from an old covenant to a new covenant. The old covenant in the blood of bulls and rams, the new covenant established in the shed blood of Jesus Christ.